Our sermon series, A Picture is Worth a Thousand Words, is a way for us to illuminate the scripture, placing art alongside the word of God in hopes that the Holy Spirit will use it to teach us something new. This morning, we'll listen to holy wisdom in the book of Hosea and the gospel of Luke. But before I read those passages, I invite you to join with me in prayer. Dear God and parent of all people, who is always persistent and ever-giving, do not give up on us. Speak your truth, shine your light, and show us your way until our stubborn ignorance gives way to faithful obedience. Through your child, our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If you'd like to follow along, our Old Testament lesson can be found on page 737 in the Pew Bible, from the prophet Hosea, chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Listen now for a word from the Lord. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel lesson is found in Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35, and on page 847 in the Pew Bible. May we listen again for God's voice. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen. I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
So two weeks ago, Brad used one of Van Gogh's most famous works of art, Starry Night, to help us hear a lesson from the book of Genesis with fresh ears. This morning, I want us to engage with one of his less famous works, a piece called La Berceuse. This painting is a portrait that Van Gogh created for Augustine Roulin. Roulin was the wife of the postmaster in RL and was one of Van Gogh's dearest friends. In an attempt to do the subject justice, Van Gogh painted five different versions, and this is the one that is hanging in the Met in New York. It was the canvas that Augustine Roulin chose herself. Van Gogh chose to call the portrait La Berceuse, meaning lullaby, or woman who rocks the cradle, which is indicated by the rope that you see held in her hand. We imagine that that rope is attached to an unseen crib. Often, mothers would sit in a rocking chair next to a cradle and use the rope to rock a child back and forth as they sang a gentle lullaby. Perhaps Vincent had read Pierre Loti's 1886 work, An Iceland Fisherman. Loti's book tells the story of Brenton fishermen who sail each summer to the stormy cod grounds of Iceland. Loti wrote that down below deck, these fishermen would hang a portrait of Mother Mary to receive prayers and watch over them during the dangerous journey. In 1888, Van Gogh wrote a letter to his friend and said, If one placed La Berceuse as it is in a boat, there would be some who would feel the lullaby in it. I imagine that Vincent was thinking about the rocking of the boat on those Icelandic waters being transformed by the painting into the rocking of a cradle. A comforting presence during turbulent times. Our lesson from Hosea this morning helps us get a fuller, more vibrant image of God. You see, for the first several chapters of the book of Hosea, God has been portrayed as a husband to an unfaithful wife. God will no doubt continue loving and redeeming his wife. And now in chapter 11, God changes into a parental role, hearkening us to think about the nurture of a mother. The scripture speaks about Israel as a child. God shows love towards the child, laying the foundation for them as God teaches the child to walk, helping them make their own way in the world, allowing them to experience freedom. Mothering still when that walk perhaps turns into quickly a run, God says, I took them up in my arms perhaps dusting off their knees, kissing a skinned elbow. 
the touch of this mothering God offers healing even when the child does not recognize it. And as mothers often are, God is tender and loving. I can't help but feel a part of that final verse 4 as I think about our school day ritual at the Whitley House. You see, Thomas picks the boys up from daycare while I come home from church and prepare dinner. I'm usually greeted first by our larger-than-most three-year-old, Davis, who bounds into the kitchen, drops to the rug, throws off his shoes, and announces, What's for dinner? I'm starving! Followed a bit slower, and with much fewer words, by our agile toddler, Gray, who comes straight in and stands at my feet, Who can resist those arms, right? And so I scoop him up and I press my cheek to his. And for a moment, the whole world melts away. You'd almost think that it hadn't been just hours before that we'd seen each other. And in the warmth of that touch, it's almost as if I can feel my love transferring to him. God says... I was to them like those who lift an infant to their cheeks, tenderly mothering with love and affection. Perhaps for a moment, as we look at La Berceuse, we sense God's mothering presence with us, God's love for us patiently and gently rocking us, to offer comfort, present with us even when we don't feel her touch. The same God who taught Israel teaches us, nurtures, and feeds us, setting a table for us so that we can experience again that healing, that reminder that we are loved, loved by a mothering God who calls to us no matter what we've done or where we've been. A God who scoops us up when we return, who feeds us with bread and cup so we can once again be reminded that we are loved. The prophets aren't the only depiction of God as mother, though. Our gospel lesson allows us to hear Jesus speak as a mother, in Luke chapter 13, Jesus has been healing in the synagogue and is being questioned by the religious leaders because of that healing. As a result, he once again takes to teaching about the kingdom of God, which is quite contrary to the kingdom in which his listeners are residing. It seems that he is trying to stir up a bit of trouble, or at least that's how King Herod sees it. Which brings us to our passage this morning. These Pharisees seem well-intentioned. They come to warn Jesus of Herod's plot to harm him. And while Jesus does call Herod a fox, sly and dishonest, he doesn't respond with anger like I might. Instead, Jesus speaks with a tone of lament. 
desiring to be maternal using words that are similar to what we hear in Psalm 118. Jesus speaks of desiring to gather children as a mother hen gathers her brood under her wings. An image of shelter and protection. An image of closeness and comfort. Jesus, in this mothering image, gives words of mercy to all as a mother desiring to shelter all, even those who would seek to kill. Are you familiar with the children's book, Love You Forever? It's by Robert Munch, and it's one of my favorites to read the boys at bedtime. The book is a love story between a mother and her son, and it recounts the evenings when after her son has fallen asleep, she would rock him and quietly sing, I love you forever, I like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. The mother sings this to her infant as she rocks him to sleep. She sings it to her two-year-old even after a trying day when he has unloaded the fridge and flushed her watch down the toilet. She sings it to him as a nine-year-old who's tracked mud into the house when he resentfully has to stop his baseball game so that he can come have dinner. She rocks and sings to him as a teenager who doesn't even seem to want to be around her, or much less acknowledge her existence. And even as an adult who's gone and created a life of his own, she sings, I love you forever, I like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. As I view La Berceuse and listen to our scripture this morning, I can't help but hear God sing to us a lullaby, one of never-ending love, one of promise to always scoop us up when we have strayed and come to return, one that promises to keep seeing us as the children of God we were created to be. Matthew Meyer Bolton, in The Gospel According to Vincent, shares of a letter that Van Gogh wrote to his brother Theo, instructing him how La Berceuse was to be displayed. Vincent thought that the portrait should be flanked by his more commonly recognized sunflower paintings, a sort of triptych intended to be seen as a whole. You see, sunflowers are often seen as images of gratitude, radiating the sun's yellow light. Perhaps Van Gogh was creating an altar of sorts, a place for us to come and pray, to sit and be cradled by the mother, to express our gratitude, to feel for a moment God's healing love. May we learn from Van Gogh and, more importantly, from the Holy Scriptures 
as we remember this day and always that God stoops down to remind us, to feed us, to show us that we are loved. Thanks be to God. Amen.